Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey gang, I hope you're enjoying 2024 so far, but guess what? You can enjoy it that little bit more if you follow our advice here at the NC Show. You know our friends at College Football Island who put on college games every summer in Dublin. Well, they're back and we're back. This summer, Florida State, Georgia Tech, August 24th, we are going to be there. The big question is, are you? If you head on over to collegefootballisland.com, you can register interest right now. We're going to put the link in the show notes too, so you can just click on that if that's easier for you. Um, info will be sent to you about how you get tickets, how you get those locked in and come and join the party. I tell you what, it is one of the best football experiences I've ever had. And we've doubled down year on year and we're going back again for more. So me, Propo, Ben, hey, we might even drag Carlson with us this year. We're going to be there. The big question is, are you? Get involved. Collegefootballisland.com. What is not to love, gang? We have eight teams divisional round football coming our way. The sky is blue, even if it's a crisp three degrees outside. We've got a bumper Passion Cavani mailbag. And if that wasn't enough, I'm Mike Carlson <laughs> in the house once again. Hey, happy, happy Monday is on a Tuesday this week. You like Tuesdays better. Come on, fess up. You prefer them. You oh, prefer yeah. them. Well, it gives, obviously, when you've got two games of the six on the, on the Monday, it wouldn't make sense to That's do it again. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what what a what a great weekend! Last year, I was six and zero on the wild card round, and then three and three in the next two rounds. And this year, I'm three and three in the wild card round. So I'm expecting to go ahead to a perfect a perfect next two weeks. You say, I owe you one. Finish. I owe you one, Bob, because you were picking for team guest this week in the picks contest. So uh, I appreciate yeah. that because I had the bucks last night. Neither you or Prop O did, and. Uh, Things, uh, yeah. things looking up uh, for me. On that, that was that was the one. That was the one. I mean, um, everybody, including myself, was wrong on Dallas, which probably should have ke- seen coming. Yeah. And I kind of overvalued Cleveland and Philly on the road, um, you know. And I, I'm more just. I wasn't surprised by Tampa. I'm more disappointed in in Cleveland, although mm. Houston really kicked their butts. I mean, game plan, execution of game plan. Um, they got a couple of mistakes from Flacco, which was all it took. Um, I feel personally responsible for that because on the show with all last week, I said words to the effect of, he's not going to have a Jake Delon style meltdown. <laughs> it goes pick six central for Joe. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it wasn't, it was exactly what he's done in the games that he's won. Yeah. You know, they've survived a couple of mistakes because he threw for he threw for a lot of yards and and, and touchdowns and and so it's yeah. kind of like what you what you might expect. It's what you and, get and from think, Frost and Loose. Yeah, the, 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 the thing the that surprised way. me is that Cleveland got so little traction um, defensively, and part of that was Tunsil did a job. Yeah, um, on Miles on Miles Garrett, um, and part of it was that for some reason Cleveland's defensive backs just weren't covering. Um, you know, I think Slowick had a really good game plan against them. Um, I think Slowick is now going to be a hot contender for a head coaching job mm. um, after one year as a coordinator in Houston. Uh, and to be honest, and we'll see what he does in you know in Buffalo this week, but I would I would put him in the Ben Johnson category. You know, where Ben Johnson uh, as, was a hot coordinator uh, last prospect, year, yeah. And turn down, turn down the jobs to stick with Detroit for another year. Right. And he's even hotter now this year, and I think Slowick could be in that same kind of situation and make the same they've call ultimately thing. as well. But yeah, good thing going. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He's young. He's only had one year as a coordinator, but they've got a good thing going in Houston. Mm. And a well-coached team with with a lot of talent. Um, mm. And you know, I, I think he might he might be the kind of guy who decides to do that, take that same path. Depends who comes knocking, of course, and, and how much they're offering. We're going to get into the the coaching situation, the carousels, the opportunities, the interviews. Belichick has already, uh, Atlanta have announced, uh, had an interview there with Shane Vereen, the great Shane Vereen, two-time Super Bowl winner, all-pro member of the crew. He's on uh, tomorrow. We're dropping that tomorrow on Wednesday. Of course, we'll talk to Shane about Belichick because uh, he played under him and, of course, knows knows Jared Mayo very well as well, played with him uh, in yeah. Boston. So uh, we'll get yeah. into all it, of it's that. A, it, it's an interesting situation. And Belichick, according to flight data, which someone somewhere was tracking, <laughs> oh, yeah. Belichick was, was down with um, Arthur Blanks and his airplane up to Nantucket to pick up Belichick. And then they were cruising on a boat in the um, fishing, of course, in they the, were in the Caribbean so, yeah. somewhere, you know, uh, it's a which is probably life. better this time of year than cruising on a boat outside off Nantucket. Yeah, <laughs> marginally. Yeah, come on, Carlson, you got the better end of that Wesleyan 
Wesleyan gig with uh, well, a I'm, podcast I'm appearance with me as opposed to a, <laughs> as opposed to a boat of the Caribbean. Right, let's get into it. And as I said at the top, I Mike, we got a we got a bumper passing up mailbag, so we're going to weave in as many of those as we can at the NC show. Incidentally, is how you get in touch with us if you have a question. Uh, an observation you want to fire in, fire them over via X, Insta, Facebook. You know the drill I, by now. I just had a good, you said weave them in. I just had a vision of Madame Lafarge knitting at the bottom of the guillotine <laughs> while the heads came rolling off. The heads are rolling. Seb's is picking up. Uh, it picking is the only podcast with Tales of Two City references. <laughs> it is. I mean, by God, we've really, we've really... Uh, had some deep dives into the literary canon over the over recent weeks. What do we have? I'm sure we were we we've had O'Neill, we've had Dostoevsky. What did we drop the other yeah. week? There was um yeah. there was a Paul Auster reference at one stage. It was all it was all rolling. It's oh, all we, rolling. Yeah, they're just constant. Yeah. That's, that's what you get with me and Mike. That's what you get with me and Mike. Yeah. Uh we also get a lot of great questions, which we will we get into. Before we open up the mailbag, one bit of housekeeping. The sports podcast awards, I and Mike you know we've been nominated for Best NFL Show. Yeah. I mean, if you don't out there, gang, where the hell have you been? Because we've been beating our chests about it repeatedly across the aforementioned social channels. Uh, Mike's, in fact, beating his chest right now, uh, happily enough. So Ongawa. you can vote for us. I think it's kind of Pro Bowl-style gig where there's a public vote that counts for some of it, fan vote. So get behind us. Give us a <laughs> shot in that. Um, we're not going to win. We, we, I feel like we're the lions of that particular crew where there's a lot of, lot of good sentiment and buzz about us, we're probably not going to win, but we're happy happy to be there. I'm Mike in good company, right? That's right. Right. Just happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. If we're the Lions, does that make me Dan Campbell? Basically, yeah. I think Ollie's got to be Dan Campbell, surely. I'm, I'm clearly Jared Goff. I think you could be... Um, I don't know. Maybe you could be a good, decent Campbell. Maybe, yeah, you could be. You'd be getting a little bit more drill sergeant in, yeah? And you could... You could take I must, uh, a lot more. A lot more. Uh, Ben's Laporta, just to clarify, and we'll move on. Okay, uh, let's go first. I'll start with Dallas and Green Bay and, and all of that chat around uh, the Dallas Cowboys crashing and burning once again in the playoffs. <laughs> in, in the mailbag, I love this from Steve. Uh, has Mike McCarthy reserved the table at Del Rio's? <laughs> so, <laughs> Del Rio's bar, of course, which we've. We've, uh, fine seen... dining, fine dining at the <laughs> crow, crow, our specialty. Has Del Rio got a couple of tables at Del Rio's that are <laughs> that are fine dining? Just a couple, and everything else is bar snacks. And basically, would you like yeah, your crow? And... Would you like your crow fried? Would you like your crow <laughs> in a stew? Uh, uh, that's that's a good. How that's much a good of this? Question. How much of this defeat and this performance and this season collectively? where at times, as they often do, Dallas flatter to deceive and we start to think they could be legit and they're exciting to watch at times. How much of this is on Mike McCarthy? Quite a bit of it. Um, I think you you can spread the blame pretty, you know, pretty evenly for this game especially. But but I think for the Cowboys culture, you have to put your finger on Jerry Jones. Um, You know, and they're always, um, they're always flashy. Um, I think uh, we had another uh, le- uh, email, another message from James Gregory. He said, is Jerry part of the problem? Flash over sustained um, uh, substance, style over substance. Um, yeah. Or like the Dolphins, uh, are they flat track, flat track bullies, which is an expression I'd never heard before. And I think he's absolutely right. I mean, the, the 
I, I was I've been making the parallel with the Dolphins for half the season. Now. Yeah. You know, neither team is good on the road. Um, you know, they're homers. The Dolphins, it's easier to figure out why, because to an extent, they're a, a precision offense that, that needs a fast track uh, to play on. And they need they don't they can't deal with like the crowd noise on the road uh, puts them off the timing, that kind of stuff. The Cowboys a little bit harder to figure, but the culture, they were not tough. Dan Quinn did not adjust. Um, it was hard. It was hard to figure out. I was, I was, um, I was messaging with my sister who was watching the game, and after the first couple of drives, she said, "What's going on? Why, you know, why are Green Bay moving?" I said, and I messaged her. I said, "Well, just watch. If they're in a four-man front and the two linebackers, including Parsons, are off the ball, then they're going to either run." They're going to run motion one way and run away from it to the weak the weak side, or they're going to pass um, because why is Parsons in coverage? And with one and a half minutes to go in the third quarter, Greg Olson made exactly the same point. Yeah, <laughs> and I said to my sister, "Hey, remember what I said back in the first quarter?" She said, <laughs> well, "Oh, I'm, you're so smart." Oh yeah, I said, "I, I, 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 no. I would have beat, beat your sister." And yeah. have low I said, "No, I, I, all I do is is watch." But I, I mean, that like, was just pretty to, obvious. Just, just to come back on a, on a few points there. So, and again, for a bit of context, I'm sure a lot of a lot of the gang out there will know, but there might maybe one or two listeners that don't. So, Jerry Jones is the GM in Dallas. He's the owner of the team, but he also controls the personnel policy, right? So there is- Well, a... he and his son, he and his son, mm. who probably is nominally the, the real GM now. Steven Jones, and... okay, fine. But Jerry yeah. has a big say in it. So this yeah. idea of flash, and as you suggested, style over substance, is that because there's a suggestion that they are investing in- on the defensive side of the ball, ball hawking, highlight reel corners, and uh, or spending a lot of money on big superstars and not having enough to go around in terms of establishing depth of the roster. What what does that mean practically in 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 reality? This yeah, idea that there's style over substance. Yeah, I think I think you can. You you made a good point about defensive backs, you know, because between Diggs and Bland, you know, they've had two guys who are flashy make a lot of interceptions, good ball skills, but give up a lot of plays too. Bland was bad, mm. I thought, in 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 the game against Green Bay. Bland's all and pro this year as well, right? I mean, so I know, a lot of people are, buy, know, are buying it. He, he was getting beat on simple simple cuts and plays. And, and the reaction, and this is the NFL, because you're taught to do that. You know, the guy makes a cut and beats you. You get your hand out to slow him down. Yeah. And if you have to pull yeah. him, pull him. And they if they, in the unlikely event, they throw a flag, um, it's better than giving up a big game. You know, um, but I think it, Jerry Jones reminds me of. Do you remember the very first scene in the very first episode of The Wire, where McNulty is sitting on the stoop with with a guy, and there's a dead body um, who's been knifed in the alley, and the guy explains to him that this guy was a guy called Snot Boogie, mm. and Snot Boogie would come on this Thursday night crap game in the alley. And every week he would play in the game. And then when there was a lot of money in the middle, he would grab the money and run. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, he all but he finally, yeah. someone got pissed off about it and chased him down the alley. And, and, and it's not, it. it's not to wipe And so away. McNulty, McNulty, you know, is just, let me get this straight. You know, he, every week there's this is, why did you let him in the game? And the guy looks at him incredulously and says, this is America, man. You got to. 
And that's what Jerry Jones is. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is America. You got to let Jerry Jones run the Cowboys. <laughs> you got to let him be you know, do do all this. And that that to me is is the basic problem. And and I don't really I'm I'm convinced that McCarthy will be gone, you know, looking at the yeah. at the history. Um and I think you're gonna have to think... concede. I know we said we get into we will get into coaching. Uh, yeah. the coaching situation with Shane, but I'm really interested in your take on this, Mike, because as we've just established, Jerry Jones is hands-on and always has been. He's had Jason Garrett style coaches that he can effectively control or at least have a big enough say to keep him happy. McCarthy yeah. was perceived to be a bit of a concession because he came in as a Super Bowl winner and a bit more experienced, but it seems to be very much the same status quo. At this stage, with Jerry so desperate for a, another ring and at the stage of, uh, of his time in Dallas, which is probably coming to an end, is he going to concede ground and uh, enable a head coach that will say, I want much more control than you've given these guys? There's going to be a fine balance there. You remember, I was I, I was predicting Bill Belichick. I was predicting McCarthy would lose. This was this was the second, you know, I was predicting McCarthy would get fired if he didn't win. I wasn't predicting he would lose because I picked Dallas in this game. Um, and I thought, you know, he he went with Bill Parcells. Parcells lasted three years. Yeah. He was like six and 10. And I think it was nine and seven each of the other two years. Um, but he it's not so much control, although it is, but it's also the spotlight because he doesn't want the spotlight on the coach. And McCarthy was perfect for that. I would love to Belichick, see. But that would suit that would suit Belichick, right? He doesn't want the spotlight. He hates yeah, that. Yeah, but he needs control. I, I which is what he will get from Atlanta or whoever else hire him. Um I would love to see a cut up of Mike McCarthy's face during the game because every time they cut away from me, it, it looked like someone had just fed him, <laughs> fed him something poisonous. <laughs> he, he was trying to digest it. <laughs> but you know, Wade Phillips replaced Parcells, and I think he went thirteen and three or something. Yeah, yeah. On the next year, Jerry's yeah. got no patience. I think there's a lot of talent there. Dak is what. Two and five career in postseason, mm. um, you know, because postseason is is a different game, and they had they were very disappointing on both sides of the ball. I think Quinn's gone. I think I think McCarthy's going to be gone. I think someone else that we had another um, we had another uh, bit in the um, another in the question of the mailbag. Uh, in the passion mailbag about um Good plug. nice mike who's whether the coaches whether the coaches um were were um one eye on something or, else yeah we're, we're going to get hired or or if it hurt them and i think yeah here we go quinn, so i'm with you because there was talk of of quinn of course being linked with the the seattle gig and this inevitably happens when the regular season 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 i went all sean connery then the regular season's done black monday hits the vacancies uh, open up and then the playoff teams inevitably are carrying a lot of the shortlist because the teams are successful and those coordinators are in vogue dan quinn's connection with seattle as well of course and morgue said did the cowboys defense yesterday put a massive dent in Dan Quinn's chances of going to Seattle. So if you're looking at that and thinking Quinn's our guy and you're seeing the ease, it wasn't just they squeaked, they nicked a win. Green Bay rolled them over, right? Offensively. Aaron Jones was significant as we expected he would be. And we talked about that on last week's show, Mike, the the difference in this offense that, that he enables. Jordan Love will get into his ceiling in a minute, but 
they was they were so good. So if you're Seattle looking at that game and looking at that tape, are you if you were sold on Dan Quinn, are you suddenly revising your opinion? I, I think there I I thought Quinn was a natural fit there, assuming he would be able to work with Pete Carroll and whatever job as advisor Pete Carroll has in the in the front office. Um I think now looking at it that they might well go in a young in a young offensive um court or even defensive coordinator like Mike McDonald say who's who's the hot the hot young guy now on defense um because I thought that that game really highlighted a failure um defensively and break it I down for us how did the how did the packers make it look so easy they they took advantage basically and and forget motion everyone say oh they ran a lot of motion it can, you know they basically looked at what they had they if they had played if dallas had played micah parsons up on the line as a pass rusher it would have been a much tougher game for green bay but since they didn't most of the time they looked they looked at green bay and and they knew they could run the ball against the four man front if the linebackers were off and they knew they could pass the ball if Parsons was in was in coverage and back, there would be there would be openings, especially across the middle. Why didn't Quinn that, play Parsons further up, higher up? I don't know. You know, he the when when they started doing it, he was he got two two holding penalties. Um, on the, mm. I don't know if they were the first two times that he he actually rushed, but you know he. Um, he, he, that's where he's he's best. I understand you drop him sometimes, or I understand you you line him up as a linebacker. But really, his real talent is pass rush. Were they and, trying to be too smart, too cute for their own good? Do you think the double? Probably, run? yeah. That that's probably that's probably a part of it. I think they thought if they dropped, they could they could um, they could keep the the um, the defense contained. And the other thing is the Cowboys were primarily. I mean, they used zone concepts, but they were primarily playing man-to-man. And now they were playing real, just zone. And they weren't very good at reading the zone. You know, the difference in man-to-man and zone is when you're in zone, you're seeing the play develop in front of you. And when you're in man-to-man, you're not. And they weren't very good at following the quarterback, at at seeing what was going on, you know, in front of them. It's really interesting you say that because we got, Ol and I got into this on, on Edge Rush last week. There was a big narrative, a strong narrative, I should say, going into this game about how effective Jordan Love had been against man coverage. And they're rolling out a stat that it was 18, I think it was, I think it was 18 touchdowns to one pick, right? But somebody else had, had done a deep dive and apologies to the journal who did this because I can't remember. I believe it was uh, either NFL.com or The Athletic, but had drilled down further into the tape and the data above the superficial numbers or the, the top service level numbers and, and realized that actually when you break it down, Love was struggling against man coverage, even though he'd had that success quantifiably in, in, in one respect. Overall, it was a way, way to get to him. So I wonder if that impacted Dan Quinn's game plan at all. It's possible. Um, you know, usually when they look at tape, they kind of get a good idea of, of what's going on. I, I thought the interesting thing was um, Matt LaFleur eschewed the deferring thing and, and took the ball, as everybody used to do in football, because I think he wanted to not go down to Dallas early, not let Dallas play with the lead. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And, you know, and they did it throwing but then they started running the ball and running it very effectively um 
after it took them a couple of plays to just figure out how how to get the cutback lane for for Jones. And, you know, Jones was breaking one soft tackle at the line of scrimmage or, or avoiding it and then gaining 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and once Dallas was down, they really, their offense was, was nowhere. Um, you know, and I, I don't know whether C.D. Lamb was being too tightly covered for Dak to throw to him early in the game, but everyone was looking at the body language and saying, you know, there's, there's something wrong. Maybe, something wrong, you know. but also, you know, and we always seem to get a 2020 hindsight smack across the kisser when you see a game like this, but it's a, if not one dimensional, then a limited offense, Dallas, really, when you, when you break it down. And we've talked about the red zone problems they've had post Zeke and post that, um, the, the tandem with, with Elliot and Pollard, even if Zeke was way past his prime, he still contributed in the, the context of that offense. Gallup's been anonymous. They haven't really got the depth in receiving call. Ferguson, I guess, steps up a little bit. But to your point, the rule of three for the great teams or the very good teams, they hadn't had that. It, it kind of figures. Let's talk Jordan Love. We've got a lot of questions about him, Mike, unsurprisingly. Uh, here's a good one from Mark. Thanks for this, Mark. Do you think Jordan Love's performance was up there <laughs> mischievously this one mischievous this one was up there with peak Aaron Rodgers <laughs> yeah well it, it was different in that sense you know I I'd compare Jordan Love's performance to Brock Purdy say you know mm-hmm. he looked a lot like that and the difference being that Love was constantly throwing off his back foot you know and and getting hit late <laughs> yeah each time each time he did um, He's got a real tendency a to do juice. that, doesn't he? Can you break that down? Yeah. Why does is it just a mechanics well, well, that he prefers it? He's trying to keep the play alive for a little bit longer, and he's not afraid to throw off the back foot, which Rogers wasn't either. You mm. know, Rogers was a master of that. He's got and he's got a really strong arm, as you could see when he was he was throwing some BBs in there when he had you know when he was set and throwing to a guy in in coverage. So. Yeah, well, I he, think, was throwing, yeah, he was throwing what? <laughs> BBs. That's a, new, that's a new one for me. 17 years BBs, of working with you. BBs are the little one. balls that you shoot out of oh, air Oh, okay, guns. like cap gun things. You know, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. so when, when, when you're throwing into a really tight window, you know, the, 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 the ball seems like a BB going I in love through that. that tight window. I love that. I'm tight window. that. Okay. Um, so I think there was a bit of Aaron Rodgers there, and there was mm-hmm. a bit, you know, a bit of sort of Brock Purdy because the offense they ran was very much a kind of – McVay Shanahan style style offense would you expect from Lafleur, and which he really hadn't had a chance to run before this year, to to be honest. And you know, this game was really a to Aaron Rodgers because all those young receivers yeah. he refused to throw to after Christian Watson dropped the first pass of the year. Um, you know, are looking really good. And, yeah. and they added more rookie receivers and they fit what they want to do. It was a good, it's a good example of drafting guys who fit what you want to do it speeded it made the team faster um they they run those long routes they get yards after the catch mm. and you know i just i just thought it was a, a spectacular bit of game planning from lafleur and by playing with the lead it it made joe barry's defense look a whole lot better mm. you know and and um they didn't they all they had to do was control Dallas, make Dallas come down the field with a series of consistent plays, and they were very bad at that. They're a big, excuse me, a big play offense. Um, and you know the second half was garbage, NBA garbage time. Yeah. Um, you know they were going to give yeah. Dallas as many yards as they want as long as you know. And Lafleur after the game said, "I shouldn't have taken my starters out because what he needed was Aaron Jones to, 
you know, to convert a couple of first downs. Close it down. Yeah. Eat, eat some clock. But I love that. Um, it's a good, it's a great point you make, Mike, because there were at least a few, a few talking heads I heard saying, I mean, Dak Prescott had 400 yards in this game. <laughs> well, yeah. of course he did because he was <laughs> slinging it in junk time. Hey, on Jordan Love, how, how good is he? I, mean, I think you may have already answered this question with it, with the Pody, a Pody, with a Pody comparison. Uh, are we talking his ceiling in that top tier of quarterbacks? albeit with the limitations of a player like Purdy versus a Mahomes, could he get, get into that 6-7 spot if he keeps on going this way, do you think? That's about probably where you'd look. I mean, this is the second half of the season thing. Right. You know, he didn't look that way in the first half of the season. He still looked a bit unsure. Um, could it make sense, you know, though, Because right? he was basically... They missed Aaron Jones quite a yeah. bit, and they had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. And, mm. you know, it took them a while to, to get a group that worked. And it's, you know, there aren't any stars in that offensive line. Um, which is another reason why you can't understand why Parsons wasn't doing more more rushing of, yeah. of the pass. But, you know, it's an interesting situation because Love's going to come up for a contract, you know. It, um, of course, yeah, yeah. And you've got to uh, – you've got the – you know, the bigger names are coming up for contracts too. Lawrence, Tua. Oh, they got and a big right call with Tua. Yeah, I mean, Green Bay's got to be happier with – you know, with um, great point out of those three, with, who would yeah, 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 with the situation out, that's a really good point. But quickly, uh, looking ahead to the divisional round, obviously, uh, and we knew this, uh, irrespective of the games last night, we knew the Packers were going to play the 49ers in uh, Santa Clara because the Packers, of course, the, the lowest seed left, so that's how the game yeah. shakes down in the divisional round. Just break down some of the keys to the game there. If the Packers are going to keep it competitive, because of course San Francisco opening is unsurprisingly heavy favorites, despite the brilliant Green Bay performance, how are they going to keep them honest, Mike? Well, the hard thing for Green Bay is that the the Niners will be able to stop the run more efficiently, more effectively. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really good up front. And they know what, Green Bay was doing you know they're they're used to playing against that sort of offense they they get it from the Rams you know all all the time they they get a bit of it from um Seattle and Shane Waldron um up there so that's going to be a bit more difficult for them as well plus you know in Greenlaw and Warner they've got two linebackers who are very very good at taking away those middle those middle of the field cuts and make, making that bit harder. So you I don't think you're going to get those kind of all alone Romeo Dubs or Luke Musgrave, you know, touchdowns that you got um against them. Hopefully they they're they've got two healthy safeties who can play, which is which is why the bye week was so important for them, you know. Trent Williams gets to rest, um Armstead gets to rest and they're both they're both crucial to to San Francisco's team. So it's going to be a lot harder work for, for Green Bay in, in this one. Um, when Luke Musgrave scored, I wished he'd had a good touchdown celebration because it would have been the Musgrave ritual. There's another literary reference for You're it. You're a fighter. I remember we had to, we, we deep dove into Pinter as well earlier on. Uh, in the well around Christmas time as well, so we are definitely the only NFL podcast that's going to take you there, gang. Uh, let's take you to the Motor City next, and the the brilliant performance from Detroit—the first time in 32 years, of course, the Lions have won a playoff game. All the pregame narrative, Mike, was in terms of former teams was golf, obviously Stafford, 
who knew that early on anyway, this was going to be the Josh Reynolds revenge. revenge. Exactly. And Reynolds had a tremendous first half. Um, and it was, this was, this, this was a great game. I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, the idea that it went under because they only scored what nine points in the, in the second half between them right. was, was a, it was a testament to the, to especially Raheem Morris, I think ability to adjust and, and shut down, um, the Lions, the Lions offense uh, a, a bit more because he basically closed off the running game to them at that point, uh, knowing they would want to do that. And Matt Stafford took a beating in this game, but was very impressive. And Jared Goff was, you know, impressive enough too. He did exactly what they, they got him to do. I thought, you know, Lions fans are um, not to take anything away from the Lions, but the Rams fans were, really upset you know there was a a head to the helmet on on Stafford that wasn't called the puka you know after Hutchinson's got the Hutchinson gets the holding penalty where I thought yeah he was being held but he also seemed to slip mm. and you know all of a sudden they call a holding penalty that's okay I, I can live with that because he was being held and he was putting pressure on but the next play is puka downfield on whatever it was second and 14 or third and 14 and um he's definitely being held, you know, mm. he's being interfered with and that didn't get called. And it would have been a, a different finish had that, had that happened. I wouldn't say the Rams would win necessarily, but, but it would have been more interesting. The game was so even like the time of possession was, I think five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 Oh five to 29 55. You know, the, the first downs were 23, 22. Um, the third and fourth downs were, were four and 10 for each team. Yeah, it was a really even game, well well balanced, and and I think um, you know you, you could almost um, um, say that Sean McVay got a little too conservative, didn't use those timeouts at the end of the first half. You yeah, know. Well, he's getting a lot of, a lot of criticism for that again. The benefit of benefit of hindsight, but but yeah, that's I guess something you you can question him on. I want to get into golf a little bit more because he, of course, was the make weight part of this of the Stafford mega trade, right? And he, going into Detroit, he was effectively a malign figure in the sense that you think about the status coming in as a number one overall pick. He was pretty much from the get go. His football intelligence was questioned. I remember; I think he did a hard knocks, didn't he, in, in, as a rookie? And there was a, a particular quote he gave where everyone took the piss out of him for not being the sharpest tool in the shed, and that carried on playing out in football terms with, well, McVay's just in his ear all the time. He's the prototypical Autobot, Automatron quarterback that's just mechanical, told what to do, can't think for himself. And and of course, that came to a head in the Super Bowl when he got the team to the Super Bowl. It was a, a you know reasonable part of that offense, but couldn't come up clutch time, uh, crunch time, right? So he goes to Detroit. I think everyone feels, what is he, a one and done, make weight kind of deal? And, and then goes to backupsville. So when you look at how far he's come, the fans cheering his name, Mike. I mean, it, you have to have a hard heart not to have enjoyed that and how emotional he was clearly with the the reaction, the response, and, and I guess the the acknowledgement in his in his own mind how far how far he's come as a player. Talk about Goff's evolution. Well, Goff, you know, Goff is is basically what he is, um, and that's a guy who is a really has a really strong arm. Um, and plays really well, but doesn't react great to pressure. Um, he's kind of like a better version of a young Joe Flacco. Mm. 
um, or you know, Orlo Flacco, Flacco would stand in in the pocket. And I think the the key thing to remember is that Brad Holmes, the Lions GM, came from the Rams, so he knew what he was getting, and they were never going to panic and get away from Goff. And you remember in the Super Bowl, which they lost thirteen to three. Mm. Um, you know, McVeigh keeps telling Goff, "You're doing great, kid. You're doing great, kid." You know, and he's getting he's getting sacked here, and he's yeah, and and the Lions were never were never like that with Dan Campbell. You know, they don't coddle him; they expect him, and he's he's basically risen to that occasion. You know, I think he probably only had one bad throw in that in that game where the rush really affected him. And um, that's and a I, fascinating I observation. That's... But at the same time, do you think that the underdog status? of Campbell specifically, the Lions collectively also has very much played into Goff's favor. There, even though he won't mollycoddle him to, to, to borrow your, your phrase, there is a sense, I think Goff even, even suggested that he belongs. If it's the right fit for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's right. You know, if you go back to that Super Bowl too, he throws a touchdown pass to Brandon cooks, which McCourty, makes up about 30 yards yeah. across the field, not even his man, to to basically just disrupt. And that's on Cooks more than on Goff, you know. Um and it would have been a different a different game and different story had that had that gone. Oh, but a great point. If but, that if, if the Rams had won the Super Bowl with Goff, I yeah. guess he'd still be their quarterback now, wouldn't he? Mm, well maybe, you know, but they probably, probably. wouldn't have traded they definitely wouldn't have traded for Stafford. Wouldn't have traded for Stafford. Wouldn't have got the house with everything yeah. else for everything else to win that you, Super Bowl. You made a good point because in a sense, Goff was was the throw in in the trade. The trade was for draft picks, plus we'll give you our quarterback because we have we don't need two quarterbacks. You know, we can't have a quarterback controversy. Um and so they 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 ran with that and 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 did very well. And they've done very well with the draft picks to you know, and some of whom, you know, nobody had St. Brown as, as being one of the most dynamic receivers in the league, but he is. He gets open. Yeah. He gets yards after the catch. He's really hard to tackle. You know, you saw some great performances over the weekend by second-tier drafted receivers like Puka, St. Yeah. Brown, you know, and they're probably kind of in competition with each other for Pro Bowl spots and – and um Stuff like that because of the big name veteran veteran receivers. Um, but with that Lions offense, I, just, I mean, you mentioned uh, Amon Ross and Brown. He had over 100 yards again. Three different Lions players scored a touchdown: Montgomery, Gibbs, Laporta, who they were worried, of course, was going to be uh, was going to be uh, out with injury, but he but he suited up and and contributed. Jameson Williams is a threat, of course. So that conversely with what we were saying about Dallas, there is so much variety here. We haven't even talked about. Uh, the, the impact that Jameer Gibbs is having because he's a player that when you look at the range of his game out of the backfield, he's effective. The way he's developed as the season's gone on, does that placate the decision? Because when he got drafted, everybody, I mean, the, the, the Lions were the laughing stock and this has been a, a regular thread. Campbell's well, opening presser, they're a laughing stock. They draft Gibbs really high. What are they doing taking a running back so high? They're a laughing stock. Will it turn out to be the right call? Probably. I mean, you know, everybody... Running backs are fungible, which is true to you know to a large to a large extent. But there are running backs whose whose talent kind of deserves being taken relatively early. And the three guys this year, well, actually, a chain a chain didn't. Um, when did he get drafted? Was it round two? Or yeah, round it wasn't. Three? It wasn't first round. Yeah, no. Um, but Gibbs, Gibbs, and Bijan Robinson were both 
you know, have both delivered. Robinson wasn't necessarily used the way that you would want him to be used. And Atlanta had running backs, so that it made less sense for them. But remember, they let Swift go and they signed yeah. David Montgomery. Yeah. And Gibbs and Montgomery are a great complementary pair. Um, you know, Montgomery's they 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 complement each other, but they actually both can do all the jobs you need done, you know, mm. except maybe maybe pass blocking where Montgomery may be better than Gibbs. But but that's not that it's not a huge distinction between them. So they're balanced. They can they can run the ball when they have to, they, which is important because that's it's how you control games uh, when you have a lead. And it, it takes the pressure off Jared Goff. What did he throw? 27 times and Stafford threw 35 or 36, I think. Um, so, you know, that that was the way they were down. Obviously, they're going to they're going to throw more because they were down at the half. But mm. um but you know, I, I just think they're they're well built and defensively, they're again it took them. They're a lot better defensively now than they were at the start of the year um, and la- and last season, and that's one of the big differences for them. And again, they were criticized for taking uh, Campbell, um, a linebacker, yeah, because you, know, you don't take a linebacker early unless it's Michael Parsons or something. And um, but that's worked out well for them too, yeah. Because they needed that they needed that muscle in inside. I'm surprised that isn't um, considered more when you look at both free agency as well as the draft. And I know it didn't play out, so it's probably a terrible example to to give. But I've got to I've got to make good because when I was talking about this on radio, famously, of course, he was standing about five feet behind me as I was as I was making this point. But Mike Mayot was a, a GM who stuck to his conviction irrespective of what the what the draft nicks and the hype said right and and but that got me thinking about this 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 mindset one of the free agency examples i guess is the christian kirk deal to jacksonville everybody slagged that off and said oh it's ridiculous they've overpaid what are the, but it, but it works for what the jags need right now they're probably overpaying a bit as far as the market rate is concerned yeah. but in the context of that team and what lawrence needs and uh, and the overall collective it, it Providing he plays up to the level that he can, it make it makes a lot of sense, and I and I feel the same with the Lions. Yeah, sure. Conventional wisdom says you shouldn't draft a running back that high. You shouldn't draft a player that high of that position. But if it's what they if it works for them, then it, then it's well, it, it's back. that's it. It's a question of of the fit. Um, and now I, I just looked up because you know because um, Gibbs went with the twelfth pick. Yeah. Campbell with the eighteenth. And Laporta with the 34th. He was the third right. guy taken in round two. Now, you could argue there were other tight ends that you could have got. I mean, Mayer was the next guy taken. And in Detroit's offense, he might have he might have blossomed. And Musgrave went in the second round at, at tight end. Um, so there were guys. But he was the one. He was probably the only guy left after Kincaid went, who had that same kind of real explosive potential there. So I think they just thought they had to had to get him at, at that point if he if he was still available. And when you look yeah. through the you know the rest of the first round, it's hard to see who else they would have taken in similar cir- circumstances. Whiteouts were available. Um they didn't need offensive line. They didn't really need defensive line so much. 
So, you know, they kind of made sense. You know, Joey Porta, Christian Gonzalez had gone. They could have taken Joe, Joey Porta, Porter, say, um, and a corner. But I think what they did was go for specific need that they knew would trans transform or help transform both offensively and defensively. And, and it worked. You know, the argument against running backs early is also that, you know, with running backs, there's no guarantee you're going to get more than a couple of years out of rookie contract yeah. without their without their being injured. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a fair argument to uh okay. So they have home field advantage, of course, the Lions, because uh they went into the playoffs as, as the three seed and they're gonna be hosting Tampa Bay. That's the earlier game on the Sunday. So- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So the, the schedule for divisional... Opens up with Houston at Baltimore. Then that's followed by the Green Bay 49ers game. On the Sunday, it's Tampa Bay at yeah, Detroit. So and the, then, yeah, the two top seeds both play on Saturday. And the NFL being the NFL, they say, what's the coldest city of the teams left uh, who are at home? Oh, Sunday it's night. Buffalo. So we'll put <laughs> Buffalo on the Sunday they night. They had game. to put Mahomes so, out on Sunday because night. Because we're worried. Like, we postponed the game because we're worried about the fans, but they can sit in minus 14. Well, as they, they did it last week. As they, they, can do exactly, it they can do it again. Hey, what do you yeah. make of the snowball situation, Mike? That's getting a lot of a lot of traction. Well, it didn't look like, I mean, they did snowball on, in the end zone. You could see them snowballing. Yeah, one of the, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, I can understand well, why Steelers fans are pissed off about that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it didn't, it isn't like they hit him in, they hit him in the eye. You know, you get a lot worse from defensive backs and well, no flags are called. Fair, but the fact that Bill, oh, I, I, well, look, I, I'm not going to cast aspersions over that. Most of the time, it looked like they were throwing the ball, snowballs up in the air. Just well, they would do that to celebrate, play. but there were a couple of times when they were luzzing them into the end zone during the play. Now, that's jeopardy because it can easily hit your player as much. Depends how good your aim is, right? But, but it, it, you know, it's, it was definitely a consideration. Obviously, it didn't change the, the yeah. trajectory of the game, but at the same time, Buffalo didn't seem to control it very well. The fans just kept on doing it. Well, I don't know how you control it. You know, you just say don't throw snowballs. And then they did over the over the PA. <laughs> just, yeah. That's gonna work. And, yeah. But the weird thing was, you know, the stadium looked great. Yeah. Um, obviously the it was still a bit slippery and stuff. But anytime you saw something that wasn't the stands 
like like the portal, the the portals, you know, the side. There was huge snow piled up. Yeah, and I, you look during the day at the pictures of these guys. Oh, they were hiring heavyweight fans. Twenty bucks. Just they up. were giving yeah. you twenty bucks an hour to go out and shovel shovel I'd snow. I debated that, but oh, I mean, and it was like feet of snow. You know, on, on each seat, yeah, they had four were, feet of snow. I think in thirty six hours, yeah, they had four feet. I read in yeah. thirty six hours or something crazy. I mean, Bill's Mafia. Fair play. I mean, look, we've talked a lot about what a great organization it is, but that was demonstrated, uh, and then some, with the way that they they depicted and got got it done. And to sit through, to your point, the the field looked great, <laughs> but the, but I mean the fro- I mean the frozen stadium where they're sitting there. I think most fans were standing. There were some Steelers fans as well. There was this great footage to see of the family. That was beautiful. Yeah. The family, mum, dad, and the kids just wading through this four foot of snow to get to their seats. I mean, that's heavyweight football fandom right there and then. Buffalo breaking down their performance, Mike. I mean, on the upside, they seem to be more cohesive offensively than they have been, even with the wins they've been getting in in, in the run and when they ran the table to take the East. Allen, for a lot of the games, seemed to be, certainly in the first half, was was on point, finding his rhythm with a passing game, broke off that brilliant run, of course. The X Factor, Allen, that, that we that we know can can change games, crucial in the playoffs. So offensively, a lot of positives. Defensively, more injuries, even further banged up. Where does this leave them going into the divisional round against it's, Kansas City? It, it's tough for them. Um, I mean, being at home against Kansas City is a big advantage. Uh, and I thought, I think that, the linebacking injuries are going to be – Klein played a really good game, but Klein's, Klein's not great in coverage. I mean, and he's also – yeah, what is he, 32 or something? Um, he's a real smart player. He, he was in New Orleans, and then he was at Carolina, which is why they brought him in, you know, because McDermott knew him from Carolina. Um so he's a, he's a good reserve to have, but against Kansas City, your linebackers have to be really active. You know, they're going to have to cover quite a bit. When they got Milano, they're great. But now, you know, they they lost both the guys who were starting, um, um, in, including uh, Terrell Bernard was out, went out. Um, Bernard went out, went out. Floyd. The other, the, Diggs yeah, the apparently other, picked the other, up an um, abdomen injury. Bloody hell! Um, Benford in the secondary. Uh, Teron Johnson as well. I mean, so this is a. Uh, it was already, and they already, you know, Milano. Yeah. Milano was already was already out, and um, um, oh, Spectre, Phil Spectre. Yeah, yeah, I just ba- said Spectre. Balon Balon yeah. Spectre was the other starter. Spectre, you know, yeah, no yeah. one even expected him to be playing at the beginning of the year because he, Dodson was the big absence. Team. I mean, they might expect Dodson back for the Chiefs game because. He yeah. was game a game time decision against the Steelers, right? So you'd hope that he'll trend in the right direction. But yeah, just just to just to put all that together, and, and you know, the big thing that no one really talked about because they they were making a big deal about Ed Oliver, but DeQuan Jones was back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Pittsburgh really couldn't run the ball. You know, they didn't really have a lot of success, especially in early in early downs running. And then they they shifted because they were Rudolph is very de- very um, deliberate as a quarterback, it's mm. kind of mechanical. Um, and they were running the ball early and then he would have to throw and the rush would come and they were trying to throw short. And they, so they, they blocked a couple of his passes and they got to him when they went and mixed it up more. And he therefore, therefore could throw deep. 
So he's putting the ball up and the ball's not going to get blocked. They had more trouble getting to him until, you know, later, later in the game when it was obvious they had had to throw all, all the time. And um Mike, you I know what? Pittsburgh, I, I feel we Pittsburgh need to had a couple of weird things. You know, I thought offensively that they needed to adjust and they did. But then you had that thing where Buffalo's got no punter because Martin's. I was going to say, I feel we need some punter news on, uh, on, on this show yeah. for old school American. On, on the block, on the block field goal, chasing the, the, the guy who blocked the field goal, um, Herbie. But um, so, you know, the other team's punters hurt and you've got three timeouts in the last minute and a half of the game. Why don't you make Buffalo punt the ball? Well, he was punting fine, though. He came back and punted fine. Well, that was in the second half. Though. Yeah. And he, he only got, he didn't look fine. I mean, he got mm. a decent punt. Toughed it out. But it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but in this case, he might not have been able to punt at that point. Mm. You know, and still in the first half. Why not make him punt? Make them punt. See if Bass or whoever is going to do the punting. Um, I get know, you. Before, get they, before they shot him up, James Wood started. Yeah. I mean, what else are you doing with the time? Then they was that when they called the timeout with two seconds left. I mean, it made no yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. Okay, so a, a, a solid win for Buffalo, but yeah, just to, just to put this in context at the moment, and of course there is the benefit of the extra day, the late night Sunday game, as Mike said. So they might get some of these guys back, but at the moment, no Dodson, no Bernard, Teron Johnson. Rasul Douglas was out yesterday anyway. Spectre's out. Um, Taylor Rapp, Benford, question. I mean, as well as Milano. I mean, and Jordan Phillips, of course. Travis White's, of course, been out for, yeah. for, for the whole shebang. This is worrying times for for Buffalo, yeah, and despite the win. You know, Kansas City can play in the cold. We know that because they, they stomped Miami in the cold um, without any great difficulty in what was the easiest pick of the week. Um, and, um, they like to run the middle of the field. You know, this could be a, a, tra- a good game for Travis Kelsey, um, you know, for Taylor Swift fans to get their money on a Travis Kelsey TD, you know? Um, so I would suspect, I mean, it, it's a tough, this is a tough one to pick because Kansas city are not that consistent. Um, and Buffalo will be a lot tougher on them than Miami, um, so I, I'm, I'm going to wait and see what the injury report is on Buffalo before I actually try to make a pick, but yeah. I would lean toward the home team in the, in this situation. Um, and, you know, Pacheco I, ran I mean, hard. I mean, go to the Miami game, Pacheco ran hard. And of course, Rashid Rice had another big game and Kelsey. Rashid Rice had a very, had seven a catches game. for Kelsey um, as well. So that could be enough, right? If those three Bolton chime had, again. Bolton had a great game for them at linebacker. That was one of the keys. Um, and um, Marquez Valdez scanning is the greatest guy in the NFL at giving up on a long ball that he's not going to get to and making it look like it was an overthrow. <laughs> he's brilliant. <laughs> it's, a good technique. it's a great it's technique. Like, must watch, it's watch like he should better. take a bow. He should take a bow. Hey, on that, did you and see, yeah, hey, Mike, Miami, did you see Pickens? Did you see Pickens at the end of the, yeah. at the, end of the uh, game last night was just, it basically given up. He just didn't. It didn't. I mean, that's brave when you Mike Tomlin is your head he coach. Got, there was a play where he was given a first down that he didn't get. Oh, he he, he was no, fat. knowing knowing he had to get it, and he made no effort to actually get to past get the the marker. You know, but they gave him the first. I down get why anyway. he. I get why he was frustrated in terms of some of the yeah. calls, but. If you're playing for Mike Tomlin, that's probably not the smartest way to wrap up a playoff game. Even if, even if you know it's done, it was he wasn't he just wasn't hustling at all. It was it was 
it was proper descent. I mean, he's, it wouldn't surprise me if, I know he's a hell of a player, but it wouldn't surprise me if Tomlin, if Tomlin kicks into the curve I, after that. I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing, but they, you know, we've known this during the season, you know, they, um, the change in quarterbacks placated him somewhat, you know, because Rudolph looked for him more than um, Pickett did, which is strange because Pickett to Perkins was such a natural kind of, kind of fit there. Yeah. The Miami yeah. game, you know, the seven points flattered Miami. The, the pass to Tyreek, the touchdown to Tyreek Hill, it was, oh, two was back in form, you know, great. He underthrew that sucker. Um, it was kind of like the big play when when Kansas City played um, San Francisco in the Super Bowl in mm. Houston. The big play of the game was this floater to Tyreek. And he was so open that he had to wait for it. It was like punt return. He was waiting for it to come down, but there was nobody close enough to him to disrupt the play. This time, if he if if he doesn't come back, it's an incompletion, you know. Um, and and if he if if Tua hits him in stride, it's a touchdown anyway. But mm. um, but I thought I thought you know that that was just that was just kind of funny. Um, Mike on that on Tua because there's been a lot of buzz about him. We we touched on they've got to make a call on his option, of course, although he's on rookie money right now. So it's maybe not an immediately pressing concern, but there is talk that they might move on from Tua and look to move on. Do you think that's the right play, the right move? I don't see how they can, to be honest, unless you have a plan B, you know, in, in house or, you know, in mind. I don't know. I think Sternberg's his agent, Steinberg, Lee Steinberg. Mm. Um, I don't know if they'll accept anything short of a big deal, you know, as opposed to like a fifth year, fifth year deal um, and and go another year. It's a, it's an odd situation because, like I said, they're they're front runners. They're better at home. They're they're better in weather. They're a precision kind of team. Um, their defense was obviously bad. I mean, their O line has been a mess all year. You you have to kind of take that into consideration in your overall evaluation but the d had suffered so many injuries that dick fangio was really scraping around to try to you know make trouble for kansas city and in fairness what they had two touchdowns and four field goals you know they stopped them um a lot of the time and that's another point just to go back quickly to detroit and the rams detroit got only got in the red zone three times and they got three touchdowns the Rams got in the red red zone three times and got no touchdowns, and that, in a sense, was the was the difference in the game. Yeah, um, that's a great point. You know, but, on the on Miami though, in the comparison with Dallas, I mean, for me, and I'm not being a homer here, but that's the distinction. Obviously, that their defense was so banged up that it was never going to be a fair fight. I know you can argue, well, offensively, Kansas City kept them in check, but we know how the two complement each other and, and impact each other, and. And I think it would have been a yeah. very different game if Miami but, had but been that's, a But that's that's the key point, and this is Miami's weakness, especially when they're when you're on the road and, and some of the some of the precision gets out of the offense. They can they got they get beat up up front. The way you beat them is to disrupt the timing of runs because they need the runs. The pass game makes the runs work, and if you if you mess up internal thing if you don't go for all the play fakes you know if your defense can ignore the bells and whistles and just get the push on the on the um offensive line and fill the gaps to the play rather than filling the gaps to the motion you you can you can hold them in check pretty well 
you're always going to get a couple of big plays. That's, you know, what, but if you can give them one or two big plays and keep them in check the rest of the time, you can usually beat, you can usually beat them. Um, you know, would the same apply to Philadelphia? I mean, um, Devontae Smith had an amazing game considering A.J. Brown was out. Yeah. You know, if I realized A.J. Brown would definitely be out, I probably would have switched over to Tampa. But, you know, I, I think um, – uh-huh, Now he tells us. I think Miami's got – I think Miami's got the potential for another good season. But, look, realistically, they lost that playoff game when they lost to Buffalo in the last week of the season because that took away their home field advantage. Um, if they were playing this game at home, it might have been a different story. Um, even with the even with the banged up um, thing, but in in those in the conditions in Kansas City with a with a hostile crowd, um, it was going to always be a tough a tough ask for them. Which you know, is why I didn't just, hesitate. Just pick up pick up on schedule for a minute, and and again keeping the Dallas and Miami. Uh, tandem together for one last hurrah. Tony's message us in the Passion Company mailbag did having an easy schedule ultimately kill Dallas and Miami, which is an interesting theory because you, you got to play who's on the schedule and the book on both of them is or they roll over easy teams, they struggle against difficult teams. But does it also benefit you during a season to have more games that are a little bit tougher in terms of sharpening you up for the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, what happens, I think, is that you can get you can overrate your team because you're beating up on on weaker opponents, or you're getting to play them, you know, at home. Your tougher opponents at home. Remember, I said I thought you know th- this is weird because when the, when it became obvious the Bills would have to run the schedule, I said it's going to come down to the last game in Miami, and of course it's in Miami, which um, I'm looking I'm looking at their. Uh, at their schedule here. Um, they had, they had, they finished with the Jets, Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. So that's not an easy finish by any means. Um, although three of those four games were at home in Tennessee, the game before that was at home. So four of their last five games were at home in December, which usually gives them a, a pretty big advantage. But otherwise, they're only real tough opponents, given the way the season broke down. Were Buffalo away, Philadelphia away, and Kansas City in Germany, and they didn't handle those games very well. It was that was a good sort of sign as, as to what what kind of a team they were when when things when things were, were clicking for them. I remembered a few years ago there was a season when Green Bay were were kind of out of the playoffs and everyone was writing them off. And I think they had maybe an eight and eight record, no, I mean, like a six and six record at the time. And I looked at the schedule and I said, it's going to come down to the last week of the season when they're yeah. playing at Detroit, you know, and they're going to, they're going to run the board until that last game. And they're going to, it'll be those, that'll be a game to see who gets in the playoffs. And that's, that's exactly what happened. And that was the the case with Miami, with Buffalo this year, you know, they, they were winnable games um, until they got down to Miami in December. If Miami won that game, you know, it's, it's probably a different story for both those teams. Um, in the playoffs, we got to give a little love to Houston too. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to let's wrap the show with one from the passing up mailbag, and give a bit of love to Houston. As you've requested, I'm Mike. Uh, question from Matt: Is Texans Lions the feel good Super Bowl that we all want? I, I mean, the NFL would hate it, of course, but I would love it. <laughs> um, yeah, although. 
just just thinking um in terms of in terms of field green bay green bay houston would be a, a feel better super bowl probably um you know the two biggest underdogs who are left um so yeah i don't think even though tampa are big underdogs i don't think anybody would feel great about tampa um i i think i think um there was another question mailbag from mark johnson is um cj stroud the best rookie playoff game ever and I thought, well, that might be true. But last year, Brock Purdy threw three touchdowns and 300 and some odd yards against Seattle mm. in the, in their first playoff game. That that was pretty good as well. And then I decided, okay, I'll go back and look. And the best yeah. one, I think, was in 99, Aaron Brooks for the Saints. Um, two, 266, four touchdowns. Um and those are those are pretty much it. Um, not many rookies have won playoff games, uh, their first playoff game. Mark Sanchez did, though. The Sanchez know. did. There you go. The Sanchez, yeah. Um, and Dak lost to the Packers in 2016, even though he threw for 300 yards and three Off touchdowns. But that's that's the – I mean, I, I Slowick, it's interesting because um, uh, Washington hired Adam Peters as the GM from San Francisco and Slowick, of course, coached at San Francisco with, you know, before going with Myers, with Ryan, D'Amico Ryan um, to Houston. So I thought, okay, this may be a place for Slowick to go. If he decides he wants to go, Peters might, might really think he's, he's a great young thing and and want to hire him there. But I think Houston's going to be, it's going to be tough for them in Baltimore, but they're so well organized. They, you know, they, their game plan was so good. Um, and I don't think Baltimore get fooled the way Cleveland got fooled um, by by the offense. It's going to be a tougher tougher game for them. And of course, it's really easy to think in the division round. You know, the the teams with buys are have a great advantage. It used to be that when there were four of them, you know, it was usually like a two thirds um, success rate for the teams that were coming off the buy. Because you're the better team, because you're higher seeded, you got the extra rest for guys to get healthy and and to game plan, you know. Um, so it's a it's a huge advantage on Saturday for Green Bay and, and for uh, San Francisco against Green Bay and, and for Baltimore. Um, and I think Tampa, Philadelphia, we're never going to give Tampa enough credit because we're going to think Philadelphia played bad rather than Tampa playing really well. Um, but they did exactly what you would expect them to do. And Philadelphia, I, there's going to be some kind of, you know, in, internal inquiry and purge. I can't blame it all on Matt Patricia's defense, but God, their defense was awful. Um, you know, they, they weren't getting much pressure. The secondary wasn't tackling. No, one I mean, the tackling, tackling was a, was appalling. Yeah. And you think about the caliber abysmal. of players yeah. that were missing stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it clearly, they, they, they looked just, very tired. They looked yeah. old for a team that's not that old. And Hertz obviously Hertz only carried the ball once the whole game. Mm. Um, and Hertz is obviously Hertz. Oh, he's been banged, um, yeah, banged up for, yeah. for a lot of the season. They even yeah. missed a uh, tush push. Yeah, I know, and you didn't see that very. Well, I thought that was a tough call, tough call on them. But I don't mind if you if you miss, uh, you know, uh, the two point conversion. That was the two point conversion. You know, that would have. Um, made it. So you know, I I think it was a good weekend 
Uh, absolutely, my best bet came through. Oh, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna end on end on more self-aggrandizing no. for mine, Mike. Yeah. Well, Dalton Kincaid, he, he came through like two <laughs> catches in the game. He, he was over thirty-six and a half yards. Oof. So I thought, well, unless he catches a ball that's gonna like lose, lose ten yards, yards. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm okay. On, I'm okay on that. He did good. The boy done so, good. Um, now the divisional round, as I say, starts with Houston Baltimore. That's the game I'm doing. Uh, live on Talk Sport too. So join me for that one. That's Saturday night. Kickoffs half nine. We're on air from nine o'clock for that one. Uh, and Talk Sport's going to be doing all of the division around other than the Tampa Bay Detroit game. So Green Bay, San Francisco, and then Kansas City, Buffalo will be live on the radio as well. Follow Iron Mike on X at Carlson Sports, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE. Right. And um, it's time for the award for best. Now, we didn't do it, but the, jo- Jonathan. Littner said, um, if the NFL were to put an award and name it after Bill Belichick, what would the award be for? <laughs> and I, I just kept thinking of things, you know, like grumpiest press conference. Exactly. It's got to be. It's got to be the, the media, press conference the fri- award. The friendly media guy award, you know, the media's <laughs> favorite coach award, something like that. But you could give one for the best undrafted free agent every year. And Bill had this wreck, this string of like 19 years or 17 years in a row where an undrafted free agent made the team, you know, and, and this year I think it would be Ivan Pace from the Vikings would get that award, but that would make a certain amount of sense. But the, the winner, the winner um, of the award is Steve, Steve Hilliard for the, um, a table at Del Rio's. A hundred percent. Back to that, a fine decision. That's a hundred percent. Yeah. Love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look I'm gonna try to book one. I might I might even start a restaurant called Del Rio's. Hey, don't try to jump on my parade, I'll buy, I'll cut you in. I'll give you a bit of equity you, if you invest. You know how you have to wear a tie, you used to have to wear a tie in fancy restaurants and they would have a tie to give to you. In Del Rio's they'd have a leather jacket to give to you if <laughs> yeah. you didn't you didn't have a leather jacket on. Everyone in a leather jacket. I love it. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh well, congratulations, Steve. You win the Passyunk Avenue voucher. So Seb. And the crew on social will be in touch with you. Big shout out to everybody, incidentally, who's been following us, subscribing to us on YouTube. See us in Technicolor, Iron Mike over on YouTube. And we're rolling out uh, a YouTube subscriber of the week competition uh, as well. And uh, I know I'm going to get told off. What about a contributor of the week contribution? (laughs) You think you can float me 25? Uh, Okay. You you trying to, I think all your money's wrapped up in the Del Rio's franchise by the sound of it, Mike. So uh, we will give a big shout out to this week's winner on uh, the show I'm doing with Shane uh, Vereen tomorrow. As I said, that is out tomorrow. There's going to be Edge Rush. Uh, coming your way, of course, later on this week with me, Propo, and Ben, including our FFS team of the week as well. So there is a lot more football heading your direction, gang. I'm Mike. I salute you. Fine work as ever, bud. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun on a Monday morning. Tuesday, yeah. Mike. Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the sun just came out, actually. They I'll must see- have realized that we're, stop- we're stopping. I'll see you next Monday. Podcast Network.